This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on the Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. Today, the 10th of December is Human Rights Day. And today we are celebrating the work of a refugee poet from Syria who currently lives here in Malaysia. Muafa Al-Haja has become uh, quite a well-known name in uh, Malaysia's poetry scene over the last few years. And he's been here since 2016. Muafa performs the spoken word and uh, he even dabbles in theatre. And he has just released an anthology of his work called Poetic Entropy. Mofa is here with me today. How are you doing? Hello, I'm good. Thank you. I think let's take this back to the beginning. When did you first start writing poetry? I remember starting writing in 2006 and uh, I was 12 back then and um, that was the the very beginning of of my writing and it just, you know, developed throughout the the road, (laughs) the journey. Uh, So, yeah. I was 12 when I started. What, um, this was back home in Syria? Yeah, I was in Damascus, so yeah. I'm from Damascus and I live in Damascus. And back then there's um, there's this very popular poet who is Nizar Qabbani and he's one of the most wonderful poets of the Arab world and he's known internationally. So I always dreamt to, to uh, you know, become this new Nizar Qabbani or to, to any level, like similar level. Is it common in Syria for, you know, 12-year-olds to Mm. become interested in poetry? I think so, yes. I mean, uh, in general, writing is is, is quite common in in the community. And uh, you could see among the new generation or like the youngsters, you, you could see many people who are dreaming to become to become writers or poets or, mm. yeah. And so that was when you first began writing. Um, would you, when would you have considered yourself a poet? Oh, I, I, I think I never, be, I never became a, a poet yet. So, <laughs> so I shouldn't have introduced you as a poet. <laughs> I mean, if, if I don't say it, then I, I cannot control people's yeah. words, but I would, I would not say that I am a poet. Uh, and b- becoming a poet is, is, is quite tough actually it's it's not that easy title to to get who were some of your early influences in terms of poetry who were the people you read as you developed so starting uh, reading was with uh, Nizar Qabbani and then this this um, poet called Mahmoud Darwish the Palestinian poet and then I started also reading Pablo Neruda and I love Neruda so much actually uh, so more into the Arab world, um, mostly the contemporary poets, contemporary poetry uh, poets. And, and then a um, few years back, I started really like considering reading all the, uh, you know, universal liter- literature or like uh, poets from other parts of the world. So in those early years, did you read uh, primarily in Arabic? So even say like Neruda, was it translated or did you read it in English? What was the... Neruda was uh, translated, but I read Neruda in English, which is translation anyway. Yes, yes. So yeah, I read Neruda in English. I read some uh, poetry in English, but I mainly back then read in Arabic. Mm. And how would you describe your style of poetry? I think I'm trying to uh, balance between the contemporary style of of the Arabic poetry and the 
old traditional style. So I still have the music of the Arabic poetry. I still have the, I still follow the, the uh, you know, the traditions of the poetry. Yet I'm trying to, to, to form kind of uh, uh, a new, a new maybe, um, I would say, a boat to, to carry the language into different or new words. Mm-hmm. And when you say contemporary poetry, do you mean contemporary Arabic poetry or a more universal style? Uh, th- that's the challenge, actually, to, to write something universal or uh, um, or to, to be stuck in your own uh, culture. Uh, I think I'm trying to write something more universal because I'm reading universal poetry. And uh, that took me... Uh, t- a lot actually it took me a lot of time to redefine poetry and re-understand what what is poetry, because uh, poetry is a craft in any way, but it's also um, beyond that. So uh, we always considered poetry as music, uh, language, but then it's more than language. It's more than music. It is the language itself. So I think I had to redefine poetry in order to write the poetry that I'm writing now. And I, I'm always trying to improve or to, you know, develop my language. So you have actually come to, I suppose, what is a pretty big milestone for most writers. You've published your first anthology. Yeah. What does it feel like? Oh, it's, 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 um, I mean, it's scary. It's, it really scared me when I, I couldn't believe I, I was saying that it's not me. I'm, I'm just watching that child who <laughs> dreamt of being a, a poet one day of publishing the first book. I always dreamt I had many scenarios in my, in my head. None of them was the right one, but it happened. And uh, of course, I feel, I feel so proud. To be honest, I feel happy inside, but at the same time, it's so much pressure on you as a, as a young writer, uh, because from now on, you're uh, it's counted. It's every word is counted. What is also interesting is that um, there's multiple layers of, I suppose, identity when it comes to the fact that you've published it here in Malaysia. Mm. Um, you are from Syria. You've been here for um, four years now, almost, yeah. almost four years. What does that feel like? I, I think my, my journey in Malaysia has really helped me uh, and really impacted on my poetry because um, the poetry that I used to write when I came here is 100% different than the poetry I write now. Uh, the people that I met here uh, and learned from uh, and also the, the experience itself of, of being in exile and of, of being in exile of the language also. Mm. It's not only that you're exiled uh, geographically, but it's also the language and, uh, and the metaphors and everything around, around the language. So that's why I, I was saying that I had to redefine poetry. So it really impacted me. And I think I, I have reached to a point that I see my poetry clearer than before. Mm. I find this this idea that you just said um, of being in exile from one own, one's own language. very. It's a very weighty thing for me to think about. Mm. Um, what is it like when you present your poetry here? Because you're almost constantly presenting it to an audience that is removed mm. from your language. It's like... Watching TV when you put mute to, to the person talking, uh, you feel muted somehow. Uh, 
I, I still remember the, 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 the first, uh, the few first times that I performed poetry in Arabic and there was the translation behind my back, but I always felt that I'm muted, that they're not, I cannot see their eyes. I cannot uh, see their reflections. I cannot see, you know, you, you can always get it. You can see, you can sense the smiles, the tears, the, the impressive eyes. I mean, so I felt muted for some time, mm. but then I had to find a way. And that's when I started reciting in English and Arabic together or started to talk about the poem a little bit before even reciting it. And then I reached to a, po- to a point and when I said that it's, it's, it's not necessary for me to translate everything for them. And I believe that poetry is the language and I trusted this and it worked. Mm. Yeah. And the book is called Poetic Entropy. True. Where does that title come from? Come from my layers of identities, as you said, because uh, I'm an engineer and mm-hmm. I cannot deny that. <laughs> and I love chemistry and I always loved chemistry. So I always try to, to link poetry and, and chemistry and I always try to, to find um, such links between both things. And one day on the train, it was so, uh, you know, a hectic day. People are going in and out. It was chaos happening. But that's life. And that's entropy. And entropy is energy spreading, spread it out. And that's poetry, actually. So I felt that, yeah, it's, it's about po- entropy. And I was, I was actually trying to find a title for the book. And I had one in my mind. And then I said, no, 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 it's entropy and it's poetic entropy. Because when, when, uh, when, we, when we think of the daily life conversations, it's, it has been trapped in, you know, the, 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 there's these formulations or um, the formulas. And if I say, uh, how are you? You say good. And this is not poetry. While poetry break every rule and is, is the wildest uh, um, creature maybe. So I felt that this is entropy and poetry is the entropy of the language. Does the Arabic title mean the same thing? Yeah, it's entropy sharia, which, which is the same. Ah, okay. And what are the um, themes and what are the ideas that you explore in the anthology? Well, I tried to I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't plan to write about something, but when I finished everything, I tried to analyze what are the poems uh, about, and I found myself uh, have written about um, homeland, about child, about exile, and about woman. So I felt like I wrote about these uh, mm-hmm. themes. So it might not be very uh, direct, but yeah, in some way. And how long a period did you write these poems in? The poems were written during 2018. So, ah. it, it, yeah, it was, it was a year of, of so writing. Th- and they're all after you came to Malaysia? Yeah, they're all after I came to Malaysia. Right. Yeah. Well, we do need to take a break. Um, but when we come back, I really do want to hear more about not just your experience writing these poems, but your experience with the Malaysian poetry community. I'm speaking with poet Moafa Al-Hajjah, a Syrian refugee who has been here in Malaysia since 2016. Moafa has just published his first poetry anthology called Poetic Entropy. Um, it is Human Rights Day today, and we're also looking at poetry as a way to reflect on issues related to equality. 
We'll be back after a short break. You're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. I'm speaking with Muafa Alhaja, a poet and performer who has just published his poetry anthology called Poetic Entropy. Muafa is also a refugee here in Malaysia from Syria. And because today is Human Rights Day, we are also talking about how his poetry um, reflects his own experiences with rights, with equality, uh, with displacement. Um, Mofa, you know, you've been in Malaysia since 2016. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about your life in Syria before you came here. Yeah. um, I mean, I I had a normal life. I was a student of engineering. And then I... You would have been in your early 20s, right? Yeah, true. And yeah, I mean, when I graduated, I was like 23. Mm -hmm. So I... um, I always had poetry beside me in, in, in everything, in every step, art and poetry. Uh, so I studied uh, engineering, graduated, and then uh, stayed there for a while, and then I had to leave, and then I left. So it was a normal life. I, I don't know how to describe life, mm. <laughs> but it was just a life that everyone would have in any other country. Uh, talking about Syria before the war, and of course during the war it was uh, quite intense and Many things happen at the same time, and you cannot really grasp it. Um, you need you need some time to to understand what happened. Mm. And I think that all Syrians um, maybe started to understand what happened after after leaving the country. Mm. And did you come here on your own? Do you have um, other family here with you? I came here alone. I came here knowing nothing about Malaysia except that Malaysia is truly Asia. (laughs) That's the only thing I knew. No one and nothing. Mm. And for you personally, what would you say has been the most challenging aspect of being a refugee here? Working in my field of study, working as as an engineer, uh, I, I, I could prove myself as a human being. I could prove myself as an artist. But yet I, could, I couldn't really prove myself as an engineer. So I think uh, the working terms is, are quite difficult. Mm. And what are some of the biggest differences in terms of life and living here that you've had to deal with? Mm. I would say that in, in, in the beginning it might be finding people or finding the right people or finding friends maybe. But then it became an easy thing. But uh, just to, to, to understand the, the culture here is is a bit, uh, it takes time. It mm. takes a bit of time. Yeah. Mm. So as I mentioned earlier, it is Human Rights Day today. And uh, while your poems don't overtly bring up these issues, mm. for me, I feel like there are a lot of these themes in, a, in, in your poetry about uh, migration, about mm. belonging, mm. Um, about displacement of conflict, but also about um, rediscovering, um, finding joy in new things. Do you intentionally use your poetry to work through these issues for yourself? I understand that I am a voice and that this voice uh, has been fighting for for his own people and for his own self. So I don't intentionally, I not, not with, you know, full intention, I say I will write about this. I don't do this, but I understand that if I am going through something, it will appear on papers. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I might have written uh, about, about being migrated or being exiled or being, you know, about the unfairness of life or whatever. But it's just talking about my experience, mm. maybe, but it reflects why is poetry such an effective way of doing this? 
it's one of the main tools of of resistance i think and it's eternal it's eternal if it's if it has the quality it will stay and that's how we knew about others and i love this saying that if you want to know about a community or a, or or about a culture you need to read their poetry and only by poetry you can know what's really happening inside the the community mm. i was very hesitant or rather i was thinking about it when i was preparing for our interview mm-hmm. uh, whether i wanted to call you a refugee poet mm-hmm. because i feel like sometimes placing labels on people is not mm-hmm. the way to begin a conversation mm-hmm. um do you think of yourself as a refugee poet well if we can uh, go back in time 10 minutes ago and go back to the question of what was the m- most challenging thing i would say labeling mm. i just forgot maybe because i'm i'm quite comfortable now but labeling was something and i i know i i i don't i don't like to to label myself as a refugee poet mm. because for many reasons one of them is that i was a poet before coming here uh, and and ironically enough on the day on the launch uh, day of the book five years back on the same day i was reading poetry in one of the biggest cultural centers in damascus and on that same day it was the last time i read poetry there so i wouldn't say that i am a, i am the refugee poet i understand that it's a social statue that i have uh, it's the circumstances that i am through now but i i i don't like being called this because i have many identities mm. so it's like if you call me only the engineer and i i don't like it or the you know the artist and no i i have a, a few things to say so i am i am more for i am the human being is there however on the other side of it could it bring some strength some empowerment to a community that is often viewed through a very narrow lens to say well refugees can be poets refugees can be artists refugees can do many things mm. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but also this idea is true. This idea is true. It's it's good to say that. It's good to bring this up, but also on the other side it's 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 just that we always need to bring this superman refugee. <laughs> to, mm. We we have to prove I mean can't we be normal people? Mm. That's that's something. So I don't want to be highlighting so much on being the superman refugee, the talented refugee da 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 because there are refugees who are just normal people and it can be that's normal because if you always try to to you know advertise for this idea that you know refugees are amazing and then someone meets a, a normal refugee so yeah i mean refugees are just normal are, are people that can be amazing can be disappointing can be normal people like the rest of us yeah yeah, yeah exactly um what are the layers of identity that shape your poetry can you sort of read your works after you've written them and feel like ah i see these aspects of myself in them mm. yeah yeah uh, that's a very very important point i i actually discovered after writing um, poetry here in malaysia uh, first of all i had to as i said redefine poetry and then define the language for for myself and my relationship with my language with my own language mm. and with english and with french and so i think one of the layers one of the layers was was um the relationship between me and the language uh, another one was belonging 
And that was a huge thing to think about. Belonging, where do I belong to? And what, what are the experiences I belong to? And maybe the third point was vulnerability. And I love mentioning this because people look at vulnerability as, you know, as a, like in a pity way that it's, it's as a weakness, as a weakness yeah. point. But it's not. It's vulnerability is, is, is just beautiful. It's something that we all have and we all know that we all have, but we just need to embrace it. Mm. And I try to embrace it as much as I can in, in my poetry. So speaking of language, um, and you mentioned before as well that you write in Arabic originally, mm. um, this book, Poetic Entropy, uh, it has translated versions of the poems. Um, who did those translations? So the translation was by a friend of mine who who's uh, Ziad Al-Taghlibi. And uh, he's my best friend since childhood and he's based in Sweden. So we have to work together closely on, on the poems. He understood what I'm saying and uh, his English was quite Good. He's a translator anyway. So we, we could work on, on this together. I found it very interesting. I honestly thought that you translated your own poetry at first because mm. the feel of it mm. was very real. It felt very heartfelt. It doesn't feel like someone else telling true, your true. stories. So um, it's interesting to know that it's actually by someone who's close to you. Yeah. But the other thing is, of course, the, the shape of the poetry on the page mm. because written in Arabic there's a certain form that it takes mm. uh, is it important to you that the English version mimics that shape? Mm. I actually uh, formed the shapes of both uh, the Arabic version and the English version and I uh, I think I intended to, to make it different so in the Arabic form, it's also not as the traditions. Mm. It's also, I tried to, to, to start this revolution on, on the form. So I changed it. But I tried to focus more in the English version on, on the verses that I wanted to be highlighted or to be seen in a different way. So I think that the, the translation made it different also. What about the performance aspect? Because you are also, mm. a, a, you perform poetry as well. Yeah. Do you think about how, when you write, do you think about how it will perform? Um, I think this is something that I need to, to mention. Uh, Arabic poetry has been always performed. That's we right. We don't have something yeah. called spoken poetry. Mm. Every poetry is spoken for us. So performing a, a, a poem is something that a poet needs to do and has to be good at. Unlike um, Western tradition where actually those two things have become quite separate. Exactly. Yeah. And also in, in, in terms of, of the form and mm -hmm. the structure and the mm -hmm. language. But no, in, in the Arabic world, it's still the same. So I don't think much of, of how would I perform it unless I finish it. So when I finish it, I would see and look how would I perform this. Do you think about who you're writing the poetry for? Mm. Yeah, if I'm if I'm writing for a for a person, and it all starts from a person for me, uh, of course I I would I would um, I I actually give so much uh, attention and care to the details. So yeah, I think <laughs> I think of the people. And so in that sense, what do you generally hope that people will get from your poetry? I hope that they can get anything from from their from their hearts. I don't want them to get whatever I'm trying to say, but I wanted the poem always to touch them. Mm -hmm. In any way, in any way they prefer it to touch them. So I, I don't really wish my message to be delivered, 
but I love to see people thinking of messages throughout the poems. So you'd rather that the reader find themselves reflected in your work? True, yeah. Right. You you have made a name for yourself, as I said earlier, with the local poetry scene. Mm. Um, tell me about how that happened. You know, you came here. How did you... I remember watching you perform a couple of years ago. Um, I'm curious about how you made those connections. Um, I was lucky enough, maybe, but... Um, but when I first came, I was quite desperate, uh, having lost my voice, having lost my, my poetry, uh, the stage, uh, you know, the mic and all this. So I was searching all, all the time on, on like Googling, where are the literature or poets, uh, poetry events? And then I found this um, festival called the Refugee Festival. And I talked to the to the committee of the festival to uh, to participate. And uh, I participated then. And then uh, I, I started to, you know, try to find people, connect to people. So I met someone and then this someone uh, introduced me to another person. And then I found myself being invited to a few events. And I think they... I, I'm, I'm not sure, but maybe they liked my poetry. So I was invited. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, was, I was invited to, to a few events until I met uh, Bernice Scholey. And uh, she was quite generous with me uh, because what happened next, how I met Bernice Scholey is uh, through... Uh, the Migrant and Refugee Poetry Competition. Right, yes. Yeah. Which so, you were the winner of. Um, I was the winner in 2017. 2017, that's right. 2017. Yeah. So uh, I won that uh, competition and then she was one of the judges. And then when she came to me, she said, you need to get published. And she left. And I was like truly amazed that, yeah, I, I, I wish so. But uh, so, yeah, a year after she came to me and said, are you ready? I said, I'm not ready. I don't think so. But then we started and Bernice actually was, was a, a huge help for me. Mm. And tell me about that sense of community that one gets from being a part of, say, the, the poetry community and mm. what that means for someone like you who mm. has been displaced and has has moved here. Of course, so much so much belonging, so much uh, feeling home uh, kind of, of, of uh, sense and meeting meeting both communities the spoken uh, word poets and the written word poets because I, <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's so obvious in malaysia that you, you can you can find a few communities of poetry in malaysia and i've been kind to everyone so they also were kind to me so i have real friends i have close friends now from these communities mm-hmm. and they were all kind to me so i think that gave me so much of feeling home is there a Malaysianness in your writing now? Ah, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to. Um, I'm still. I'm still not there. I can. I can feel that. But I. I am trying to. But. But there are. I mean, the, the cities everywhere in the in the book. You can see KL everywhere. Yes. Yes. There is a really strong sense of KL in the book. But. But, yeah. but, but maybe it's my version of KL. So I, I still am trying to to get to get there. And um, now that you've finished your first book, mm-hmm. do you think that you might work on another one? What's up? What's next for you? I am already working on another one. And uh, this book really pushed me to, to the edge of, you know, I felt like I have to and I, I want to continue. I just liked it. And of course, I would not stop writing in any way. But now I can see the, the, the process. I know the process and I know how would it work or not. So where can we find this book? 
So the book now is in Grabudaya store and uh, it's also in Silverfish uh, books in Bangsa village and it will be next week hopefully in Kinokunia. Well, thank you so much, Mafa, for thank joining you. me and for um, talking to me about your work. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. I've been speaking with poet Mofa Al-Hajja, um, a Syrian refugee who has been here in Malaysia since 2016. Mofa's first poetry anthology, Poetic Entropy, is now out. It is also Human Rights Day today, so we've been talking a little bit about how he uses his poetry uh, to reflect his own uh, struggles with equality, with human rights, and uh, with also moving to Malaysia. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, and I'll leave you now with Muafat reading one of his own poems. Fields of Memories Memories Today I make them Tomorrow I cry for them Or mumble Am I really me? Have I been collecting the sand of life's shore? Or have I been a sea Against which the sailor plotted And decided to drink since he overwhelmed me? Memories crossing my head like a blue river that has no grass bidding. I start to pant like a horse collapsing from the thirst of a long run. If I remember, I remember for myself. And if I forget, I forget for others. Memories. I get lost in the field of Remembrance, like a child who does not want from a garden its roses, but its mud instead, and keeps digging, looking for the buried ancestral origin. In the faraway past, those who master glass blowing, they understand that the origin of all is sand, changed and inserted into the trap of life's fire. I walk in the field of imagining, then I recall that the field of this dream is green. Words around me are becoming butterflies, flying and crossing. I go back in memory and hear all those who crossed it, and while I oversee, I find women pouring river water in the language of the poem, their perfume, their glimmer, from houses to hummocks, memories of a wild mind's fertility and a magical flower growing in the earth of a mirage. I also see men repeating the song, memories, memories. Do memories ever dry out? Memories, water in exile, wine of passion and intimacy. Our songs, for when we are stuck with fear, we sing them to be healed. That is why I went during this night to ask, what is truth? Who am I? Memories, memories throughout the times. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.